0: We're all on, everything's going. Okay, good morning, everyone. What I'm going to do this morning is um, something I do uh, three times a year, and that is, so if you're new here, or newish, this is a great one for you to be in. If you've been here a while, you may have heard some of this before, but it's also very important that you hear this because it's a reminder. So what I do three times a year, beginning of each term, is I give us a reminder of a ch- as a church of what God has called us to And kind of where we're going. The reason for this is numerous. Number one, we're all a bit stupid and we forget. We all get a bit dull and we forget things. So we need to be reminded of themselves. If you read your Old Testament particularly, the call from God and for God's leaders to the people is to remember what God has done. Remember what God has said. So we build it in three times a year so that we can remember what God has said to us, particularly as a people, and we don't forget it. So we do that. Also, it just keeps us, it keeps us a check. Are we going where God told us to go? Are we on the, the route that he set for us? Or are we drifting in certain areas? So we come back and say, let's have another look at what God's called us to, and we can be reminded. Hopefully, it's also a way of encouraging us that if God has said this, and then we stop and reflect, we can say, actually, God has answered his word to us. He has fulfilled his promise. He has said he's going to do something, and you can see things happening. So it's an opportunity to, for us to celebrate what God has done in us and through us as a local church. So what I'm going to do, front end of the sermon, is I'm going to remind us of uh, what we're about and where we're going, and then at the back end of the sermon, I want to outline something particularly for the moment now of, uh, in terms of the leadership of the church and what that looks like and the way forward with that. So first thing is our purpose what we are about now what we're about we have a purpose we put it on the banner which one is over here this one it says it says we believe real life is about having a relationship with Jesus following the model of Jesus and then changing our world with Jesus we're all about Jesus as a church That's our focus. That's our goal. We want to give everyone an opportunity to get to know Jesus for themselves. Everyone the opportunity to have a relationship with Jesus. We believe Jesus is who he said he was when he came to earth. He is God the Son. He was fully God and fully man. We believe he was born of a virgin. He lived a perfect life. He died a death on a cross. Then he rose bodily from death, ascended into heaven, and is seated at the right hand of the Father, and will one day come back and judge all mankind. We believe that about him. We think he's the most important person who ever lived, ever will live, and we want everyone to have an opportunity to get to know him. We want them to know him for themselves. And if you're a believer here, you have that incredible privilege and opportunity. Through that, then, we want the presence of God in our life by his Holy Spirit to transform us more into his likeness. We want to look more and more like Jesus. That's our hope. The more you follow Jesus, the more you walk with Jesus, you become more and more like him as the Spirit works on you. He transforms you. God's characteristics come your characteristics. You becoming become more loving, gracious, kind. The fruit of the Spirit is born in you. And then through that, hopefully that has an impact on the world that you live in, your home, your family, your neighbors, your colleagues, your friends, your social group. Your workplace will then be impacted by the grace and love of God. And then hopefully through that, then in turn, more people get to know Jesus for themselves. So that's what we're about as a church. That's what we do. And it it kind of underpins everything. All the things we do as a church, all the activities we run, what we do here on a Sunday, our small groups, all our outward stuff. It's all about Jesus and ultimately, hopefully, pointing everyone to him as the one person they all need to know. So that's our unchanging purpose as a church. The second thing is our vision as a church. Now, when we started as a church um, eight and a half years ago, um, a small core team had moved here and we felt, God, it was right to begin this work in this town. and through prayer and discussion and kind of, you know, what God's saying to us. We felt like this is what, this is what was, was unique for us. This is where God wanted to take us. This is where God wanted to set our direction, our kind of, I want you guys to go after this. And through prayer, we came up with three things that God wanted to call us to, to be a large, influential, reproducing church. And I just want to go through each one and remind us of kind of what that means for us, why we believe that and kind of where we're going with that. The first one is that God has called us to be a large church. The reason we felt this was because we we had a conviction from the reading of God's word that God always wanted a people for himself and he wanted that people to grow large. He wanted more of them. If you go back to the beginning, you have the creation mandate where God created Adam and Eve in the garden and he put them there and he said to them what? What? He said, multiply, become more, they want more of you. Don't just stay there, be fruitful. Have kids, kids grow up, etc., etc. I want more and more of you. Be fruitful and multiply, God said. So his heart, God's heart was always to have a people for himself. You follow the story through, it goes wrong very quickly, Genesis chapter 3. But the people of God, um, God's people continue to grow. And then God picks on a man named Abraham, and he calls him out, of where he's been. He says, I've chosen you, and I'm going to make your descendants what? Like the stars in the sky and the sand on the seashore. Now, if you've ever been in a position to see either of those things, there are a lot of them. An awful lot of them. Innumerable amount. But God says, I'm going to make your descendants like that. And I'm going to bless you. And there's one point in the story where he actually takes Abraham outside and they Look up. Do those stars, your descents are going to be like that. I want more and more people. And then if we follow the story of the Bible through, we've got Abraham, who has a son Isaac, who has a son Jacob, who has twelve sons. They go down into Egypt, beginning of Exodus, suddenly we have a nation of the people of Israel who come out of um, Egypt in the book of Exodus, numbering as many as a million. Commentators tell us there's an awful lot of these people. God then takes them into the promised land, they settle. And multiply there. So suddenly we've gone from one guy God called to suddenly a nation numbering hundreds of thousands of people. But they're all the ethnic descendants of Abraham. And it doesn't just stay there because we have hints in the Old Testament. It's not just going to be these people, physical descendants, because the prophets come and say, actually, you are a light to the Gentiles, which is everybody else in the world. So actually, God has said, I'm not just interested in the physical descendants of Abraham. I'm actually interested in everybody on the face of the earth. I want them all to come to know me. And then we get Jesus comes, the Messiah comes, the one who's been prophesied about for hundreds of years. He comes, and what's he do? He gathers 12 guys together, he trains them, dies on a cross, rises from death, gathers all his followers together, and he says to them Go! Go where? Everywhere! All nations, all peoples and declare the good news about me, baptize them, teach them what I've told you, go to the ends of the earth. And then if we go to the book of Acts, we see the growth of the church. Peter preaches at Pentecost, the Holy Spirit falls, 3,000 are suddenly added, and you think, whoa, that's growth. And if you track through the book of Acts, you have time and time again where it talks about the church growing and multiplying. We see the Apostle Paul go on his journeys. And he plants church after church after church after church after church in town, after in, in town and city after city. And suddenly they're spread all over the known world as they knew then. The kind of Roman Empire, even ending up in Rome, pulls in there at the end of Acts preaching. And so the, the church has multiplied and it's brought in those from outside the, Jew, um, the Jewish kind of ethnicity. The Gentiles have come in. And then we go to the end of the story, right at the end of the story, and we have the Apostle John who has this revelation where the curtain is pulled back and he sees something. And what does he see? He sees Jesus on his throne and he sees before the throne a multitude that cannot be numbered from every tribe and every people and every nation who worship Jesus forever and ever. And so God has always wanted a people for himself, and he's wanted a people from every group and every tribe and every nation from all over the world, and he's wanted them grow and multiply. And so that's why I believe God wants us as a church to grow and multiply. I see it in his word. As we came to start the church, I felt God speak to us about that. God had spoken to Melanie and I before we even met each other, when we first became Christians, about being involved in leading and speaking to many, many people and what that means. And that's terrifying when you're 20 years old and you're a Muppet and you've only just become a Christian. You think, God wants me to do what? But God is fulfilling his word to us. Even as we came to plant the church, there were prophetic words we got about growing and getting bigger. And and it's hysterical when someone prophesies over you and there's like eight of you. And you're like, you're going to grow and you're going to feel. And you're like, really? Have you seen us? I was the oldest and I was only like 30-something. It was It was stupid but i felt this is what god has called us to to grow and multiply so i believe god wants to call us to be a large church and grow numerically and if you just look around <laughs> he's doing it no not because we're we're smart or we've got we've got it worked out but because god spoke to us god is fulfilling his word we're not clever we don't know how to you know we're just we're not good enough for this but god is and he's big and he's faithful and he's going to continue to grow us. And we're going to have more and more people come to know Jesus. And what happened last Sunday with the baptisms, we're going to do that again and again and again as more people come to know Jesus for themselves. And we're going to celebrate and it's going to be, it's going to be a wonderful thing. The second one, we believe God as wants us to be an influential church. If we go back to our Bible where we start... We look at the, the, um, the history of God's people and we find that God has used time and time again men and women in what we would just call normal jobs, power structures of the world to be influential for his kingdom. He's called men and women out. He says, right, well, you're here, you're in this situation, I'm going to use you. You go back and you find Joseph and he ends up being in Egypt and he serves in Potiphar's house gets elevated there, but then that all goes wrong. He ends up in prison. You know the story then, he comes into the court of Pharaoh, the king of the greatest sort of superpower at the time. And next thing you know, Joseph's prime minister of Egypt. And God uses him not only to save Egypt, but save all the nations round about, including his people. God used Joseph in that we find about Daniel. He was an advisor to the king in a pagan nation that didn't honor the God of Israel and God raised him up. From a young man, the story begins up until kind of the end when he ends up in the lion's den, he's in his 70s. God used him consistently to speak to um, leaders, to authorities, be influential for his kingdom. We find Queen Esther in Persia, who was a young girl, and she was kind of um, part of the the harem of the king, but yet she was used powerfully there to save the Jewish nation, to be used instrumentally there to um, save God's people. And we find Nehemiah, the cupbearer, He was a cupbearer in Persia. He'd been taken into a foreign pagan nation after Jerusalem was destroyed. And God used him to return to Jerusalem and rebuild the city. Take some of the exiles back, a particularly dark moment in Israel's history. And God used Nehemiah to talk to the king. And the king ended up resourcing his mission. They held positions of influence in normal daily life. But then we come to the New Testament and we find Jesus preaching to his followers in the Sermon on the Man. And what does he say to them? He says, you are the salt of the earth and the light of the world. That's his commission too. So that's what you are. A salt, what does a salt do? Salt brings out flavor and it prevents decay. Bring out flavor in food, but also they used to rub it in the meat so it didn't go off. So it pre- preserves society, prefers the order of things. Light shines so you can see. It banishes darkness It makes people see things clearly so everything can function well. And the followers of Jesus are told to be that. They're told to be a light that shines so everyone can see. It cannot be hidden. When you put salt on food, you notice it, even if you don't see it. When a light shines in the room, you notice it because it illuminates things. And we, as God's people, are to do that. And when God um, called us here to start the church, he spoke to me very clearly a passage of scripture I was reading my Bible in a year and I was just trolling through the Old Testament which can be quite a slog sometimes and I got to the book of Jeremiah and there's a famous passage in Jeremiah about that everyone knows because it's on t-shirts and coffee cups and it says I know I have the plans for you I know the plans I have for you sorry to give you a hope and a future and you thought I knew that was coming but immediately before that I read a passage I'd never read before or maybe I had it just never gone in and it says this It says, thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to all the exiles whom I've sent into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. This is to the people of God who've left Jerusalem because a a foreign army came and nuked the city and basically took them all off. So they are in a foreign land that doesn't honor the God of Israel, doesn't have the temple, doesn't have the priesthood. They are at the lowest ebb of the people of God. And God now speaks to them. Oh, brilliant. What are you going to do? Are you going to kill all these people? Take us home? Is everything going to be good, God? And the prophet says this in Babylon. He says, build houses, live in them, plant gardens, eat their produce, take wives and have sons and daughters and take wives for your sons and your daughters in marriage that they may bear sons and daughters. Multiply there and do not decrease, but seek the welfare of the city where I've sent you into exile. And praise the Lord on its behalf, for in its welfare you will find your welfare. We felt really strongly when we came to this city that God said, I want you to seek the good of the city. Just like the exiles were in Babylon, you're there. Make a good job of being there. He said, build houses, have kids, plant vineyards, have some produce, earn something while you're there, and seek the welfare, the good of the city. And so when we came here, we felt very strongly we wanted to be a blessing to this city. We wanted to be good to our neighbors, to our community, which influences a lot of what we do as a church, a lot of our activities out there, just trying to be good to tell people, God loves you. God loves this town. God loves this city. God loves the people in this city. And we want to tell you, we love you as well. And so we came here to be an influence. And we'll be influenced on a big level as a church to get behind some of the events we do just to tell everyone we love you, If they ask why we love them, it's because God loves you and God wants to get to know you for himself. But we also have on a more kind of a different level, but I think a more powerful level is that we all get to influence whatever God's called us. The most powerful way we influence as a church is when we scatter from this place, we go to our homes, we go to our friendship groups, we go to our social groups, we go to our workplaces, we go to our families and we get to be salt and light there. It's great to come together, to hear teaching, to to worship together, to be encouraged and built up. But it's just as important that we go to where God's called us to. And as a church, we are filled with people who are uniquely placed to be influential for God's kingdom. No one else can be you in your workplace or your home or your social network or whatever it is with your kids. Only you can. And God has placed you there and you are the salt of the earth and the light of the world in that place. And you have an opportunity to be influential, to tell people that Jesus is alive, that he loves them, that he wants to get to know them, and to be a blessing to that place. And what we have represented here, we have people here who are in education, who work in schools and educational kind of groups, and you have an opportunity to be excellent at your jobs and to provide training. And education for children and adults and, be, and, and to show something of the goodness and the grace of God there, that we would have excellent schools and we would have excellent universities in this city that people would love to be a part of, that you can treat um, children and uh, young people and adults with dignity and respect and teach them well. We have people here who work in business and finances and run their own companies. And you have an opportunity to, to provide excellent products for this city, excellent services, to so treat your employees well, to offer good kind of environments where you get together, to offer, um, to not diddle your customers or your clients, to do all those things well. That, that the, 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 the financial aspects and the business aspects of the city will flourish. And people want to come here and work here. We have people involved in law and government, whether it's local or, or national. And you have an opportunity to speak out for justice and truth and make sure there is done with fairness and equality and the widow and the orphan and the poor and the outsider and the refugee are looked after in whatever you find yourself doing. We have those who are, who are involved in arts and music and creativity and sport and recreation, which shows the beautiful character of God in his, his creativity in this world and all he can do and the fun and laughter we have in just hanging out and enjoying his world. God has called you to do that the best you can, to show the beauty and the grace and the fun and the love and the laughter of God in all that it is you do. Some of you are involved in medicine and health and that whole kind of caring for people's well-being. And you have an opportunity to show dignity and respect to those who suffer and in need, whether it's physically, emotionally, mentally. You guys are on the front line of caring for those people to show the practical love of God on how you treat your patients and those who you're involved in. Some of you, or all of us, I guess, are neighbors and friends. We have people who live either side of us or above or below us. People we bump into in the schools, on the playgrounds, out as we're around and about, and part of our clubs that we go to. And we have an incredible opportunity to love them and serve them and care them. Tell them that we love you, that God loves you. We're for you. We want the best for you. We want to be good to you. How can we serve you? And so as a church, we are called to be influential, not just as a big body, but actually, I think, more importantly, as scattered servants throughout this city. And the last one is that we would be a reproducing church, a reproducing church. When Jesus came, he called 12 guys to be be with him, his disciples. But before he ascended to heaven, he got all his followers together and said, I want you to go. And what were they to do? They were to make disciples of all nations. Jesus said, I'm not happy with just you. I want more of you. I want more followers. I want more of you to know about me. I want more of you to learn what I have taught you. I want more of you to be part of thy family, the church worldwide. And so we as a church want to reproduce ourselves. We want to see more and more people come to know Jesus. And so that's a kind of a more of a micro level. We want to see people come to know Jesus for themselves, from the young people and the children to adults, everyone. It was great baptizing people on Sunday. And we had a young person as well as some who were more mature, shall I just say, somewhat older, you know, relatively speaking. It was wonderful to see that. And if we look in the book of Acts, we also see it's not just... Um, reproducing on the micro level, it's reproducing on the macro level because they planted churches. There's a fascinating account in the book of Acts in Acts, starting in Acts chapter 13, where we find the apostle Paul going out from a place called Antioch and he plants church after church after church after church and then we get to the end, he then comes back to the churches he's been to. So by the time we get to Acts chapter 14, uh, he's gone all the way out and all the way back, checking on the churches that he has planted. Paul's command to Timothy, in 2, uh, 2 Timothy 2.2, 2, he says to so him, what you've heard, heard from me in the presence of others pass on to faithful men who are able to teach others. So you have Paul, Timothy, faithful men, others. Four levels of kind of reproduction there. And that's what we want to do as a church. We want to reproduce ourselves, not only as individuals, see more people become Christians, train them, love them, see them grow up in God, and then in turn go on and serve. But actually also as a church, we want to look to reproduce ourselves and plant a ch- um, plant another church. Other churches, actually, <laughs> would be ideal for us. And God spoke very clearly to us about this. If you've been around a while, what's the favorite plant of real life church? It is the... Good, you learn. It's brilliant. You listen. The strawberry plant, for those who may have been hearing this for the first time. God spoke to us as we were coming to plant the church. Um, we went to kind of meetings and... Uh, as we're kind of getting ready and we had four people come to us from four separate occasions four different people and they basically prayed over us prophesied over us and says that Real Life Church is going to be like a strawberry plant which on the surface sounds pretty silly but that's what they said to us and after the first one you file it under cuckoo okay we'll weigh that brother you know and then the second person brought in, you thought oh dear maybe there's something in this. and the third person said it okay I got this God but he knows us so we did it again so I just want you to hear this you're going to be like a strawberry plant. Well, what's a strawberry plant? Well, strawberry plant bears fruit. That's the first thing. We all love strawberries. They bear fruit. But what they also do is if you leave them, they, they grow shoots out, which are apparently called runners, which go out, and then they go into the ground. And what happens? They produce more plants, more fruit. So actually, they multiply themselves. And if you've ever seen wild strawberries, I remember being out um, on a walk a while back, and I came across this kind of patch of wild strawberries, and you looked at them, And there were multiple plants, but there were all these kind of runners between them. You couldn't tell where one plant started and the other one finished because they had just multiplied and they would taken over this kind of patch of ground they were in. And there was so much fruit and leaves. And I just thought, man, that is what God is calling us to. I have nothing more to report on that. I don't know where. I hope it's soon. But we are going to plant another church. Some of you are going to leave this place and go on that church plant you're going to go. Some of you even now might be thinking, uh-oh, I think that might be me. That is exciting. We're going to love you. We're going to bless you. We're going to send you when God speaks to us particularly about a place, but that is what is in our heart to do. We don't only want to see people become Christians here, wonderful, but we want to plant churches elsewhere, in other towns, in other cities, other nations maybe. But that's what we're going to do. That's our des- That's our kind of our goal. And I won't be satisfied until we've done that so that's a little bit about the church where we're going what we're doing if you've been here a while you may have heard uh, some of that before if you knew that would be new to you but that's what we're about and i will keep coming to that, back to that and keep reminding you that this is what god's called us to and from what i can see thus far i can see that god is honoring his promise to us is uh we have taken opportunity to thank him and we'll do that again when we celebrate and i say god you have spoken and you are fulfilling your word It's coming to pass amongst us um, which is just a privilege to be a part of. If you're new here and you're thinking, come, what's God doing in this place? I can tell you, he's here, he's speaking, and he is fulfilling his word. This is a good place to be. This is a great family to be a part of. Come join us, and we'll see what God does with us in the future. All right? Okay, what I want to just outline, which is a bit different today, which I alluded to earlier, is about the leadership of the church. Um, and I just wanted to make it kind of clear and public, sort of how we're functioning as a church and what's um, sort of happening with us, particularly in light of what I said earlier um, about the elders and how it all works together. So, broadly speaking, we have three teams who effectively lead, run the church. Okay, they are the um, we have a leadership team, um, which you could also call a senior management or executive team. We've got a leadership team. We also have the directors. Some places call them trustees, but we have directors because of the way we're set up. And then we're going to have elders now. And what, to help illustrate, you've got the logo. I had a flash of inspiration. does not happen often. So just roll with me and say nice things to me about this. Okay, but... There's our logo as a church with the three intersecting lines. We've got three teams that help run the church, but they actually all overlap, and there isn't like a hierarchy of one underneath the other that you might see on an organizational chart. So do you want to put the next one up? So we have our three three teams that run the church. We've got the elders, uh, the directors, and the leadership team. They overlap, not only in responsibilities, but also sometimes in members. But actually, they're all involved in leading the church, but they all have different areas of responsibility. So if we just split them up, what I'm going to do is I'm going to um, take you through each one. So you want to put the next one up for me, Ruth? Thank you. So we've got three teams. I'm going to talk through each one. I'm going to tell you who's in them, what they do, how they work, and hopefully you'll see a little bit of overlap there. And then we'll come back together and talk about what's next, particularly uh, with the appointment of elders. So the first one is the leadership team, which is the blue team. Now, this leadership team, we currently meet monthly, and we are very much the operational team of the church. We get things done. We're a very much a doing team of the church and are responsible for implementing our vision as a church and making things happen. There are currently eight members on the church. you want to put the photo up of the gorgeous eight people involved? You have to flick it on twice. One, two. There's a leadership team. And the next one, they currently exist um, of Stuart Manley Crane, uh, Matt and Phil Yates Ben and Charlotte Senior and Jeremy and Becky Douglas Jones and basically we're responsible for making sure that things happen in the church and that things get done in terms of ministries and um, activities and the like we don't do it all we have a whole tier of leaders as well who run ministries and oversee things that then kind of report into that team. And so there's a whole bunch of people who do a lot of other things as well, but these guys take responsibility for making it work. Um, so some of the areas the um, leadership team are responsible for is basically running of our Sunday meeting, including the setup team, but we have leaders who also take that on with us, uh, the preaching and the worship and the AV uh, that make it all happen, and the hosting team. Um, we oversee uh, the life groups, which also has life group overseers and life group leaders who also help make that happen and function together. So they're responsible for that. Uh, the children and the youth, which are just growing and multiplying. So we have many um, team leaders in the children's workers and the kids' teams and also our youth team as well. Also, they're responsible for the, a lot of community activities we do as a church. We had yesterday, we had the tabletop games down the atrium, which was fantastic, there. Another opportunity just to bless the community. Gathered a whole bunch of people there, played a bunch of ball games with them. It was great fun. The nations and what we're doing there and how we're serving in the nations. Also, the courses that we run. Freedom in Christ is a big thing for us, and we have team leaders who run that, and that's huge. And we also run the Explore course and the Alpha course. So, all that sort of stuff feeds into that team and kind of makes it work like that. We also pastorally look after one another just to make sure everything's going all well. So that's our leadership team. The next team, the red team, who are the directors. Some places call them trustees, but because we are legally a company limited by guarantee, got that right? Yeah, got that right? We are called company directors. The company directors meet three or four times a year, depending on what's going on, and they are responsible for the legal and financial running of the church, making sure we comply with everything the law tells us to comply with and make sure our financial processes are up to date and everything is above board so that we can't be accused of anything uh, negative. So we've got on that team, we have Charlotte Senior, Andrew Pinder, Philip Coltop, and myself. I'm also on that team. And these guys... Uh, They serve very much sort of behind the scenes, but they do an important role with us. They're involved uh, in running our safeguarding to make sure all our kids, um, youth, vulnerable adults are basically looked after well, and we have a safeguarding team also that helps do that and make sure they oversee that, and they kind of feed into um, us as directors. We are responsible for insurance and payroll, national insurance, giving, and claiming back gift aid from the government, budgeting, um, finances, all those kind of things, financial reporting to you as a church. I give a financial report about three times a year Well, I just tell you where we are with our money. These guys are the ones who are doing all the back-end work, making sure everything's right so I can report uh, back to you. And they stand alongside the leaders of the church just making sure everything runs well and we've got the money to do the things we want to do and making sure it all dovetails together. Um, as a church. So those guys work really faithfully on that. All right, the last team, the green team. The green team, the elders. Now, this is the team I've mentioned that is not in place yet. Uh, I think this is the team we're looking to appoint to kind of uh, put it together. And this has always been our goal as a church. Since we began, uh, Jan- uh, it was January 2011, this has always been the goal. And we've gone, due to having a change of oversight as a church, it's delayed this process. Other speed bumps in the road that just put it down, and we wanted to make sure we did this right. So we've um we're now in a position to do that. What are the elders? The elders, as we read in our New Testament, if you go through the book of Acts, elders come up again and again as pointed. They are the fathers and shepherds of the church. They're the ones who oh who are responsible ultimately for the church as a whole. Like a father in a home, is ultimately responsible for what happens there. That's what they do, and they are to shepherd the church and make sure the church is kind of moving in the way that God wants them to move. Their responsibilities could be um, put together like this they all begin with the letter D, so you must know it's biblical. All right. They are responsible for God, and they're responsible for these things. First one's doctrine, they're responsible for what we believe about certain things. What does the Bible say? So it involves a lot of prayer and study of the word what does the Bible say about this? We're responsible for making sure that actually what we're teaching from the front is in line with God's word and we're not going off into error. They're responsible for discipline. How do we handle sin in the church? How do we handle sin in the members? How do we handle sin in the leadership? What do we do with that kind of thing? Delegation. Who is the right person for this job? Through prayer, discussion, they're responsible. Okay, who are we going to give this particular role to? As we grow and multiply, we're going to have to delegate more and more and more as a church, and empower more people to serve to make this whole thing run and make sure everything's being cared for and we're still on our mission as God has called us to. They're responsible for that. They're responsible for direction. Are we going where God told us to go or are we off getting caught up in a side project or something kind of happening over there? Are we actually still on point with our purpose and our vision? This is what we're called to. So they, they keep an eye on that. They're also responsible for discipleship in the general senses. Are we growing as followers of Jesus? Have we got things in place that are helping us as disciples of Jesus to grow individually and as a church go deeper into God? And the final one is devotion. How are we praying and worshipping as a church? Is prayer still a priority in this church? Is prayer still on the front foot? Are we worshipping and engaging with God? And has that been lost in activity and other things? That's what these guys have to look after. And we've been on this journey for a little while done with um, in conjunction with andy martin and the five guys jeremy matt myself mike and jonathan i have been working together um for about 18 months meeting together uh, studying a book a workbook to help us praying together early in the morning discussing church things and the like and my conviction is for god is that uh, myself matt and jeremy should be put forward to you um, to be elders of the church a decision not taken lightly taken with a lot of prayer and thought and consultation from outside the church. Um, What does this process, what has this process looked like? Well, just so you know, I'll outline this more in the the weeks to come, but um, we have been interviewed um, with our wives by Andy Martin and his wife and asked awkward questions. We've had references taken from our workplaces that I'm going to read out to you next week on kind of how we conduct ourselves outside of this building you get here, our finances have been reviewed in every single penny we have ever given to Real Life Church has been put on a spreadsheet and also sent to Andy Martin. So we've had our finances reviewed as well to make sure that we are above board. And so Andy and Heather have reviewed that um, as well. There has been a ton of prayer that's gone into it um, as well. So that has all been happening kind of behind the scenes to bring us uh, to this point now, what's going to happen now? There's a few things I want to outline to us, the church, that's going to happen next that requires your involvement to us um, to make this happen. The first one is we're going to have three days of prayer and fasting. This is I feel this is one of the biggest things that's going to happen to this church since we began, the appointment of elders. And for me, this is the end of the beginning of our journey as a church. Once we hit this point, I feel like I could go to my Bible and nearly everything in the Bible that churches should do, we've hit. We've served the poor. We've seen people saved. We've baptized people. We've taught people. We've blessed our communities. We've loved one another and built a network of communities in the hair. We've been influential on the town's uh, sorry, the town around us and the people around us. We've done, we've delegated authority. We've, we've seen people raised up. Uh, and we've sent people as well to go and serve in other places. We've done so much. The appointment hours is almost the last thing. that On my tick list of when we started, we, we need to do that one as well. And so this is huge for us. And the only way as the people of God to respond is in prayer. But I also want to add fasting in. So what I want to do over the next three church of prayer meetings, which are dates that you'll have, but I'll send them out again, is uh, 30th of April, which is in a couple of days' time, 21st of May and 11th of June, is the day that we have our prayer meeting when the, the life groups don't meet and we gather everyone on, in the atrium to pray. And I want to put to you t- to get today that you would spend the day putting some time to pray, early in the morning, lunchtime, whatever it is, or come to the prayer meeting. And also to fast if you can, if you're medically able fasting is to give up something the bible is always food give up something and then replace it with something else it's a way of saying to god you are more important than this and food is a great one because food's so fundamental to us i will give up eating this whether it's one meal or something and i will take that time to pray and seek you and it's so and it says to god it's more important than that and i will go without whatever it is the food and I will pray for you. And what we're going to do is we're going to put out an email with some content that you can pray through just to give you some pointers to pray for the church and the elders and what's going to happen in there. And so we're going to be praying for that, the protection for the families, protection for the church, that God's name is glorified um, in this moment. So that's the first thing happen. And I would expect, if you're a member here, you're part of the church, that you actively get involved in that. First one's on Tuesday, and we're going to be praying among this, amongst other things that's happening in church life. The second thing is that over the next two weeks, I'm going to do a, quick, a short sermon series on elders. If you're sitting here and you think, this all sounds great, but I don't really know much about elders, or I'm new, or this is just not familiar, I'm going to preach on it the next two weeks. So I'm going to do next week, elders, who, who are they, and the, the second week is what they do. So I will do that, and in that I'll be divulging some more information that we've learned about the guys involved, so you can, you can make um, a judgment on there. So that's the next two Sundays. I'll be preaching a series called "God Shepherds about elders to give you a little bit more information. The third thing is that I would propose this now for a consensus um, to the church. In the appointment of elders, there's a process. You need to have the current leadership be happy, you need to have outside ministry be happy, and then you need the church body as a whole to be happy. This is not an imposition. This is me submitting something before you that I think is right, but I need you to respond. And I'm hoping it's positively. And I need you to do that. So what I'm expecting for you, from you is this. And if you're a member of the church and you've stood up here and said, I am Real Life Church and you're part of us and this is your family, I am expecting you to do this. What I'm expecting is I have uh, an email address that I've set up that will appear behind me, elders at dot u, dot I am expecting you as a member of the church to respond to what I've said to give your opinion. I think this is a good idea. I think the three guys I've put forward are right for this role. I'm encouraged by this, like that. If there's anything negative you need to say, I don't think so-and-so should be an elder because they're, they're having an affair and I know about this. We need to hear about that. If they do not fit the character requirements that I will outline next week, we need to hear. I'm hoping it's all positive, but actually... I'm expecting um, you to speak if it's not, if we've made a mistake on this, because once you have pointed out, it's a bit hard to undo. So I need you to to respond in this. If you're not sure and you want to wait, fine. What we're going to do is I'm going to preach for two weeks, and then the week after, I'll close the email address. So you won't be able to email in, because we need to collate it. Or what's going to happen is everything you send in, I will collate into one document, and I will mail it to Andy Martin, so he gets to read it all. I will also mail it to all my leaders, so they get to read it all. So we're all on the same page and everything's transparent and everything's out there. Um, And depending on what it is and how much it is, I might even read it out publicly at the front of church, but we'll see what happens there. But that's what I'm expecting. I'm expecting you to respond. So you need to go away. You need to be praying. You need to be in prayer. And then you need to be saying, this is, I'm behind you. I want to go where you're going. I want this to be a positive experience and respond in that. So that's coming over the next few weeks and I'll, I'll keep saying it each week to remind you. But That's what I want from you. And then the final thing we do on Sunday, the 23rd of June, we've booked a date for an appointment. Andy Martin is coming here. He's going to preach. We'll appoint the elders, and then we'll have a church lunch afterwards. Someone mentioned dominoes, but I can't guarantee that. So so we'll all basically have a time of celebration uh, and fun on that Sunday. Andy will be with us. He's a great preacher. Um, and we'll be laying on of hands and and that kind of thing. So that's where we're going. That's what's happening. There's quite a lot in there uh, to take in and process, and obviously I'm available if you want to talk to me um, about any of this um, as well. So to recap, you need to be praying. We need to be kind of pushing into God on this thing. If you are... um, If you're here today, you've heard it. You've done the first thing. What I would love you to do, particularly if you're a life group leader or an overseer or you lead a team within the church, I need you to tell everybody who is not here from your team to catch up. They need to hear what I've shared just so everyone's on the same page. I need you to come and I need you to pray with me. Tuesday night we're praying and then the other two dates I mentioned we're also going to be praying. I need you to pray. I need you to, to come with us and stand with us as we seek God. Uh, And pray, the enemy hates this. The enemy wants to steal and kill and destroy. And he'll do anything he can to wreck what's going on here. And we don't respond in fear, we respond in faith. Because God is sovereign, the enemy is defeated, and we know he has the victory. And so we come to him and we pray, and we worship him and we seek him. And then also what I need to do is need to respond. You need to send me an email on that email address and tell me that this is fantastic and you're right behind it um and so we can celebrate together and look forward to june the 23rd this is a significant time in the life of the church i'm excited but at the same time aware of the responsibility that's happening uh with us and so i want you guys to stand with me in prayer and do that so can we do that now do you want to stand can the band come up we're going to worship jesus and i'd love us just to start this next section with some time of prayer